0: Hey, my is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Um, anyway, um, it is good to be here with you guys. It was really sweet to see some of the stories. That's just a third um, of the stories that uh, of people that are coming out of Rooted. They'll also be different set at the 915 and then at the 11. Really fun to watch people share, even if it's just in a few words. Um, And tonight, I wanna talk about movement. Um, Movement is one of those things that maybe can be a little buzzword-y that hangs out. But if if I remember back to like, I can't remember which grade I was in, maybe like eighth or ninth or something like that. I was in a science class and maybe seventh grade. That was Life Biology with Miss Dewberry. I still have a chunk of pencil lead in my hand from seventh grade with Miss Dewberry um, life science class. And uh, anyway, that might be that class. There was a short list in our book that was just simply talking about how do you know if something's alive? Like when are scientists able to classify something as living? which seems like a pretty basic function, right? Basic thing to be able to, to distinguish. And there were just a couple of markers, really. And one of them is just simply that things move. If something is alive, it is going to move, it is going to grow, it is going to change in some meaningful way under its own energy, like not just acted on by an outside force, but that thing is going to move and grow and change. Case in point, if there is a fly in your kitchen and you smack that sucker and it keeps moving, you smack it again. Because you know if it's moving, it's still alive, and that's not what you're going for at the moment. Right? And so uh, th- when we talk about movement, um, that's different than a static category like movement is about orientation it's about direction it's about speed it's about change static categories are just simply about like what box does this thing check right now like if we were to take a picture right now kind of this frozen in time moment what would we see and those can be important things but those are definitely the easier categories in life now um, you know, we just finished uh, midterm elections and all of that and uh, the, you know, the pollsters were you know, at work as they always are and if you turned on any news channel, there were all of these people that were like dissecting different demographics you know, and talking about these people who live here, vote this way and these people, this is an important issue. If you're in this part of the country or if, or if, you're, um, if you fit this level of education or economic status or, or this ethnicity or, or if you live near this city, whatever, They had all these ways of breaking things down, which is always kind of fascinating, but that's always about like a static identity. That's always about like a snapshot. And when we introduce ourselves, those are the kinds of things when we think about ourselves that we tend to default to. This is how old I am. This is where I live. This is what I do for a job or where I go to school or something that I am a specialist in or or some part of my past. Um, this is uh, my education level, or how much money I make, or how much money I spend, or what I choose to spend time on, or, or, or this is a group that I am a part of, maybe how I tend to vote or think or identify, whatever, and those static realities, those, those are important to know and talk about, but the Christian life seems to focus more, not so much on a static identity, but on something we would call movement because that's where the life is. That's how you find out if something is living and breathing or if something just checks a box and exists in some category that you could put on paper. And in a little bit, um, towards the end of this sermon today, I just want to take some time and brag on you guys. So heads up, you're not in trouble. Um, good, Good stuff to talk about. And, uh, but I, I just I want to look at um, one of the foundational scriptures for me in my life, particularly when I was in middle school and high school. This was one of those things that was baked into me because my, um, my youth pastor is what we called him back then. Um, they, he, would, he would inject this verse into just about everything. You know, it was how he signed his letters. And um, if he uh, gave a, a little talk, he would often incorporate this in. And I, I heard this probably thousands of times Literally. And it kind of got down in my bones. You know, like things that you hear thousands of times tend to do. But the, uh, the author of a book called Hebrews is writing to a group of Jewish believers that is really struggling in their faith. The whole community is. The whole community is considering stepping out of the faith as a group. People have been peeling off a little bit at a time and things are going downhill quickly in this community. And he's writing this sermon to them. The book of Hebrews is a sermon. Aren't you glad we don't preach sermons that have like 13 chapters to them, you know? Um, And he's wrapping up and he's trying to help these people stay focused on Jesus. And, And here he is at the beginning of chapter 12. of God. See, when he's talking to this group of people, he's not very interested in that all of them would identify as Christians. It's not very helpful. He's deeply concerned about them, and all of them go to church. All of them, if you said, are you a Christian? All of them would say yes. But that seems to be the wrong question. Because even though they would say yes, he still has deep concerns about them. So here is the wrong question. Are you a Christian? It's not a very interesting one. And it's not very helpful. Because it's just a static category. What he seems to be interested in is, are you chasing Jesus? Are you chasing Jesus? Jesus, so, so I, I'm not going to ask for hands or anything out loud, but just, just take a second right now, how would you, and just in your own mind, how would you answer the question, are you a Christian? Right now, how would you answer the question, are you chasing Jesus? And, and the implication there is that someone can say yes to the first question and no to the second. What I find more interesting is I know people that would say no to the first question, are you a Christian? But if you asked, are you chasing Jesus? They would say, yeah. Right now I am. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to the Christian thing, but right now Jesus is someone that's in view and that I'm moving towards. And so I just, I just want to take um, some time together tonight and look at this incredibly crucial, beautiful couple of verses and break them down a little bit for us as we talk about movement. Because remember, the thing that we're not after is some category that we fit in or some check box, it's box that we would check, or, or some demographic that we would fit into. The, the question we're trying to answer is, are you chasing Jesus? I've heard it said so many times, uh, it's, um, it's a little bit um, uh, cliché-ist, but clichés can be, exist for a reason. That Christianity is a little like a bike. Either you're moving forward or you're falling off. You know, and, and, and it can be like that. We can maintain our, our category all the while be in danger of falling off the whole thing, which is why this book was written, for example. So let's, let's just break it down. And by the way, um, you should memorize this verse, these couple of verses. Just take some time. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, you can do it. Um, you could have it memorized by Friday. Um, so, so take some time and do that this week. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, go you. Okay. Let's just, let's just break this down. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything and chase Jesus, okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about all of chapter 11, he has gone through 40 verses of telling stories of people that have been faithful in their pursuit of the Lord. 40 verses of story after story after story, all all the way from Abel and Enoch And Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Deborah and Daniel and David. And he just, person after person after person. This is what it looks like when a woman chases God. This is what it looks like when a man chases God. And and it's interesting that he says that 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 is part of what breaks our momentum, like our, our lack of momentum, our inertia that's holding us still. If we can get around and get in view some people that are chasing after God that that has a way of helping us break our inertia. That's one of the values of something like Rooted uh, or whatever discipleship strategy it might be is you get around some people that are moving. And I have found that if I get around anybody that's moving towards Jesus, it makes me move. It doesn't even really matter how far they are on their journey. Although sometimes having people further out in front of me is a very good thing. If I am around anybody that is moving towards Jesus, it makes my feet move a little bit too. Now, here's the thing. They are in a community where everybody is on a bike that's not moving forward and it's getting wobbly and about to tip over, and he's trying to remind them that there are people that have been chasing after God, and this is what their stories are like. Are are you moving forward in your faith? And if not... Are you around some people that are? Maybe that would help. I, I know some people that are, struggle with their Christian faith right now because what is getting their attention are people that would check the box of, yes, I'm a Christian, but they are not moving towards Jesus. They are not becoming like him. They don't carry his heart. They aren't being formed in his image. And they're looking at people that would identify the checked box thing of, am I a Christian? And they're saying, if that's it, yeech. And I'm saying, forget about him. I'm not even sure they count. Not if the author of Hebrews is accurate. Get around some people that are moving. Let them get your attention and let that help you break the inertia that you have to keep moving forward. After that, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that word surrounded interestingly, is like Paul uses that same word elsewhere in the New Testament, talking about being in chains, like the thing that this person can't get away from. He is surrounded, he is like trapped by images of people's faithful pursuit of God, like he just can't quit on it, and it's helping him move forward. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. A couple of things there. He talks about things that would hold us back, not just um, only being around people that are stuck, but he talks about the sin that so easily entangles. Again, just to get Greek wordy, um, nerdy on you. Um, the entangled, it could be translated sticky. Like sin has this like, sticky hard to get off of us pattern has have any of you ever had the absolute pleasure of hiking through really thick mud <laughs> have you ever had your shoes sucked off <laughs> there is there is nothing that will make you regret your decision to go hiking faster than walking in the rain and then putting a boot down in some mud and pulling it out and it goes <laughs> oh my gosh and sin is like that. It, it, it's sticky. It slows us down. It's like we have to peel it off. Maybe for some of us, though, it's not so sticky. It's more comfy. It's like that blanket that we've carried with us. It's really hard to run in a blanket. Anybody at the high school football game last night? In the first quarter, it was like, yay, football weather. In the third quarter, it was like, just pick a winner. <laughs> like... I'm so cold. (laughs) And we were all bundled up. Sin, do you have sin in your life that you've kind of just let stick to you? Things that you put in your mind, things you do with your body, things you say with your mouth, things that you know, you know, are opposed to the will of God for your life. And they're preventing you from running after Jesus. And they're endangering your discipleship. They're keeping you from moving. It's time to let him go, to name him and let him go. But, but it's not the only category he gives. He says everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That means that there is stuff in our lives that isn't sin. It's just slowing us down. It may not be rebellion against God, but it's not helping. Things that entangle and slow us down, that word, it means a weight. Like, are you carrying extra weight in your life, in your pursuit of Jesus? It's just time to let it go. Is it bad? No. Is it helping? No. It's time to go. In the backpacking world, the, the through hiking world, um, there's this phrase that gets said a lot of different ways. They'll say, ounces make pounds, and pounds make pain because you might be wondering, why do do those hikers, why do they worry about things like fabric weight, like give me a break? Well, if you're only going hiking for a couple hours, it doesn't matter, bring anything you want. Bring a stove and a grill and a machete, you're fine. But when the hikes get long, when the altitude gets high, when things get hard and you're on day eight, You're really wishing you hadn't brought the grill. Are there things in your life that there, are they wrong? No. But they're not helping either in your pursuit of Jesus and it's just time to cut ties and let them go. The sin that so easily entangles everything that hinders, let us throw them off and run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. That word perseverance is a bit of a clue that you're gonna need perseverance, which means sometimes our pursuit of Jesus is hard. Sometimes it's hard. And if it's gonna be hard sometimes, we need a goal to focus on. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is our goal, he's our model, and he's out there. I wonder if for this group of people, I wonder if the image that he has in mind is when Jesus encountered his disciples, some of these people might have met Jesus, might have eaten with him, so we don't know. But I wonder if what he has in mind, the author or she, is someone who Jesus came up to and said, follow me. Because interestingly enough, when Jesus encounters his disciples and he asks them to follow me, the gospel comes to them, this is important, the gospel comes to them while Jesus is on the way to somewhere else. And so we don't join Jesus just to sit and chat us too, Yes, there's intimacy with Jesus. We join him on his way to do something else. He's on the move And follow me means if we're going to be with Jesus, we're going to have to move too. And I wonder if for a while, if they were keeping in step with Jesus, but they've stopped moving forward. And as Jesus has kept going on his mission, if now he's saying, you need to fix your eyes down the road and it's time to play catch up guys. Jesus is on the move And it's easy to lose our faith while we're sitting still, worrying about our comfort, but it's time to go and catch up with the God who called us to follow him on his mission. When we were going through our values as a church several years ago, and we wrestled them down, we got down to three, we are outwardly focused, we thrive in community, and are like the centerpiece of we never stop moving towards Jesus. So how's that going for you. Have, you? have you stopped moving? I remember distinctly when I was particularly um, on fire, just lit up about my faith. Um, I looked at my life, and there was some stuff that needed to go, and one of those things for me was um, were some idols in my life, and Oddly enough for me, what that was was some music that I was so into, and it wasn't because it was sin. It wasn't sin. It was just way too important to me, and so I set it aside for about a year. I'm just not, not going to put anything in my brain right now that isn't about Jesus. I need to realign, and then, then we can do Led Zeppelin again. You know, you with me, right? Well, I needed a bit of a break. Because I wanted wanted to chase you. We never stop moving towards Jesus. Are you moving right now? Are you moving? He goes, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus is our model, if he is the perfecter of it, we, if we're going to live a life like his, then this is a piece we can't miss. Um, in Jesus' pursuit on his mission, he had to go through difficulty, there was self denial. Why? For the Anybody hear me? For the what set before him? Joy. Joy. Not for the guilt set before him. Not for all of the I was really supposed to to be a good Christian set before him. Not for all of the my mom would be so disappointed in me set before me that I endured the cross. Jesus went through hell not because being in pain is holy, but because getting joy is holy. And for Jesus, joy was on the other side of dying to self. And it is for you too. And so we will not be motivated to to leave comfort and pursue Jesus by guilt or by shoulds or by leverage or by like... um, like a pump-up pep talk, it's not gonna happen. The only thing that will move us through difficulty to the other side is the pursuit of joy. And joy is often waiting for us on the other side of giving up our lives and receiving new life from Jesus. So here's the thing, I cannot motivate you by all, I mean, we can get people to move a little bit, you know, by like just like guilting people into it. But at the end of the day, it's going to come because someone sees Jesus and they know that he is their joy. That they have met and been encountered by their risen Jesus in some way and they want to be with him. And if we're going to be with Jesus, that means we are going to have to move past, through the difficulty, to be with him on the other side. Now, um, For the last many years, maybe five years, I would say, in church world, more than that, Maybe 10, it started bubbling up. There has been this major conversation going on about discipleship in our culture, movement, right? Not static categories. Are you saved? Do you attend church? Is your church, you know, like this size or whatever? Like all that's fine conversation, but it, but it's, it's, not, it's not that helpful and it doesn't make disciples. If we're gonna talk about disciples, we're gonna talk about movement, like continuing to grow towards Jesus. We never stop moving towards Jesus and we're just gonna keep chasing after him, and and that's bubbling up in the American church, because secret, we have been terrible at discipleship. We've really focused on categories. What church do you belong to? Do you believe this? Do you not believe that? And it's kind of like stalled out um, so much of the American church, which is odd for us, because we come out of um, the Wesleyan revival, which was a movement that turned a continent upside down, and, and focused so much on, on continuing to move towards Jesus over and over and over again. Anyway, different story. And so at LaCroix, we started having some conversations about how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna rewire ourselves to not be so much focused on like um, size or, or uh, categories or how many people do we have uh, you know, attending or whatever? And all of those are fine, but we need more than that. And, uh, and so we got to work on, on a discipleship pathway. On a, I call it an ecosystem, but apparently discipleship ecosystem is not a very marketable term. Um, so discipleship pathway went much better, where we worked out like a, a bit of a framework for reach, connect, equip and send and try to organize all of our ministries inside of those things so that people can keep moving and continue moving. And at the center of each one of those we put an anchor ministry. There's lots of things in each bucket. Reach, connect, equip and send. They all have a lot of stuff. But there's one thing at the center of them kind of like a tent pole. Now, like in reach we have alpha, in connect we have rooted, um, we have emotionally healthy uh, spirituality in, the, um, in equip and we have bands in send. And, and and guys, can can I just brag on you all for a little bit? After I mean we we were pushing you guys a little bit. We can't make enough room for you guys. Look, when I'm in a group of pastors and they're all sitting around moaning about how they can't get anyone to move forward in their discipleship, I have to awkwardly stay quiet. Because if they get to me, I'm going to be the party pooper. It's like, I don't know, we have hundreds of people signing up for everything we do and I don't know what's going on. I mean, like, (laughs) we can't make enough room. And, and, and it was, was it February March? March, we, we had this whole series called There's More For You, where we started talking about that everybody, everybody has a next step in their discipleship. And, and we, we passed out a bunch of these. Did you, hopefully you got one of these on your way in. And when we started talking about, we spent several months like hammering you guys with it. Looking, look at it. You have a next step in your discipleship, some new rhythm or some practice to add as you move forward. It could be a part of something we do. It could be something completely separate from anything that has to do with LaCroix. That still counts, you know, and, and, like, and, and we started pushing you guys on it, and we were hearing a trickle back, you know, we, we were hoping for like 350, and I think we've got like 163 of those turned in, and, and, um, and, and we were like, it feels like there's more happening than that, especially we've got like 100 people enrooted, we got 60 guests in Alpha, we got more people in Emotionally Healthy than we can make room for, and, and, and then we, we sent out that spiritual health survey we did a few weekends back. Beginning of October? Do you guys remember that? Yes. You guys are moving. Look, on the, on the second rhythm, are you more, in, how engaged are you compared to a year ago in spiritual practices? 45% of you, That we got 900-something responses back. This means over 400 people told us that they are more or much more engaged in spiritual practices than they were a year ago. F- Four hundred of you. Look, uh, yeah. I might quit, I'm not sure you need me. I mean, l- look, look, and let me, if you're not moving, you better catch up. We, we got a church that's growing and going. And, and just hanging out and like soaking up some music that you like and a sermon that you may or may not and wow, I like that they have coffee and that class sounds kind of interesting. Look, that's, that's like fine, but you're gonna fall off your bike pretty quick. But there's a bunch of people here that are moving and finding their next step and trying to move forward because we never stop following Jesus. We never start moving towards Jesus. And, and listen, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, we may not be comfortable talking about it yet because we're, maybe we feel a little insecure, but there are people around you, if 45%, if that's accurate, that means it's either the person on the right or the person on your left has taken some significant step in their faith in the last year. That's a big deal. And that bucks every trend that I know of in the American church. And You know, sometimes, folks, and understandably, you know, ever since there was the shutdown and, oh my gosh, I hate to even bring it up, you know, like and and, and it's fair. Sometimes people will be like, gosh, there's not as many people around as there used to be. There might be just as many Christians, though. There might be just as many people chasing Jesus. Maybe more. And am I called to put butts in seats or am I called to help people move towards Jesus? I think it's the second one. And look, I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And so I just want to let you know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. We have called you up, and unless you're lying, which is a sin in church, and <laughs> you have responded. You have responded. So I just, there is no way to like, like I said, like pep rally people to it or anything like that. But in verse 3, Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Like this author can't get off his mind two things. One is the people that have run the race before. And Jesus, the forerunner, who's out in front calling us to him. And so just, do you see him? Do you see him? Are you moving? Do you see him? Because if you can see him, he's worth following. He's worth breaking inertia. He's worth leaving some stuff behind, even some stuff that feels real good and cozy and everything. But he's just better. He's just better than all of it. Do you see him? Because there's more for you. There's more for you. There's heaven on earth waiting for you when we meet Jesus here and now. And then you get to be heaven on earth for someone else who needs it real bad. And so I, I just, partially because I, I, want, I want to hear from you guys, um, because I know there's been a lot of movement, and partially because um, I know there's some folks that still need some. When you, when you came in, would you grab one of these? Would you grab one? If you didn't, just stick your hand up, and we'll, we'll get one to you. We got one someone here that needs to just keep your hand up. I know your arms get heavy after a while. Allie, I was told that you would have somebody pass them out. There you go. And I'm just, keep, and, and here's, during the next song, here this just says, this has your name, has your phone number. You don't have to give us your phone number, but we would love it. And it, it, just, it just says, what, what is the next step that you took to go deeper in your discipleship? And we would love to hear about that. And then you can drop them in these baskets or these like voting box looking things on your way out. I don't know what they're called. And we would love to hear from you. Um, So we're gonna take some time and do that now. But here's the thing. I'm just so glad you're moving. That's the thing that we've been pursuing because Jesus is worth it. So here, would would you just pray with me right now? Lord God Jesus I'm 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 proud to be the pastor here And Lord would you would you help us to continue to pursue you And for those of us that need a little inertia break a little a little bit of boost of energy a little shove in because we care God, would you help us to give that? And God, for the person that's running and they're feeling a little weary, would you give us encouragement? And Lord, for the person that is just so excited about you right now, God, I pray that 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 would spill over to the rest of us and that it would pull us with them. Because we don't want to miss you, Jesus. You're worth it. Thank you, God. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about Lacroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.